0: chapter thirteen of rangy pete by guy morton the sleeper recording is in the public domain when the darkness gradually gave way to rifts of light here and there rangy pete was conscious of an occasional snapping whining sound which touched some vague spot in his memory there would come a dreary whining slur which he knew quite well followed by a rattling shattering succession of noises quite unfamiliar to his senses From time to time, near at hand, there was a sharp stabbing of the air, which reached his eardrums with unnecessary violence. And always it seemed to him that was followed by the whining and chattering of other sounds. Once, when that volume of unfamiliar noise grew intense, rangy Pete opened his eyes wearily. The scene was familiar enough, but that sound did not belong to him at all. The scene was the edge of the earth it was that black cave from which he had tumbled into eternity when bill Sons shot him back there in burke's saloon that was quite right but this slithering noise like some giant hammer chopping at blocks of stone it was annoying it ruffled the peacefulness of eternity it queer but there seemed to be a physical side to him now there was now a dragging something cluttering all about that lightness of soul which through unlimited years had been wandering through infinite spaces there was a restraining something hedged all about that mentality which but a moment ago had known neither bounds nor limits there was rangy pete opened his eyes again there was a searing in his right leg just above the knee gad there was a girl right in front of him she had a winchester in her hands and she was firing from time to time out the mouth of the cave and that shattering volume of noise was made by the occasional bullet which whipped upward from the ground bit into the roof of the cave and loosened fragments of rock all about them there was the echo of the winchester as the reverberations of sound traveled the length of the cave like the rumblings of distant thunder and then died away there was the acrid smell of burnt powder upon the air There was a bandage about his leg which had stopped the flow of blood. Rangy Pete rose to his elbow, and as he did so, Miss Dick swung about to face him. There was a brilliance in her eyes, a glow upon her cheeks, which he had never seen before. There was a keenness of battle in her pose, which in some unexplained manner recalled to him the poise of a mother wolf he had once seen fighting for her young. Looks as though they pinked me, Rangy muttered. What's going on now? nothing we're just exchanging friendly salutes i am letting the merrill gang know it wouldn't be wise to try to climb up that stairway how are you feeling mr pete like a branded maverick i'm thinking but why haven't you sloped it long ago they would have had you strung up by this time the girl replied calmly i had to stay mr pete because i knew the curiosity of that bunch of riders one of them just climbed up the stairs i nicked him a little that is what the firing has been about it has stopped now the sound of firing had died away and through the calm which settled down upon them rangy felt that he could think more clearly he found that his head had been pillowed upon miss dick's saddle so he let it fall back again and he lay there contemplating the girl and the scene about him this cave was pleasantly restfully robed in the soft shades of twilight though from the colour of the air beyond he knew it must still be daylight in the world outside the sun he could remember had been slanting down behind the butte tops when he and miss dick made that dash for the pelican cave way back in the distant ages when some other race of mankind lived upon the earth and still there was daylight outside this must mean that after all he had not been travelling for years and generations through those mystic and darkened realms which held him for a time But that in reality it could have been but a few minutes. Yet in those few minutes Miss Dick had been active. She had bound up his wound, which felt hot and restless now. She had pillowed his head upon her saddle. She had found stones in some strange manner with which to build a barricade between them and the mouth of the cave, and she had fought off the punchers. Rangy Pete looked about him, at the barricade, at the clear, day-lit air beyond. So unique one of the punchers he asked meditatively just a little through the arm he would insist upon coming up here even after i had fired a couple of shots into the air that squares accounts for you there were facts which rangy must get firmly fixed in his mind facts which somehow had become warped and distorted through that age he had spent in another world and didn't you say something about this not being a cave but that it runs through the buttes to the land of the dervishers Miss Dick nodded. There could be no doubt of it now. Miss Dick had saved his life, and the price she had paid had been her own opportunity to escape. You know your way through the cave? Rangy pressed, caught in the abrupt knowledge that he must be quite clear upon that point. Miss Dick laughed easily. Know the way? I have known it since a child. Day or night I know it. It leads off here into the dark, and from the dark, Mr. Rangy Pete if you take the right steps and the right turns you come out into the light on the top of the buttes and then if you take the right steps again you come down into the land of the dervishers as you call it though we call it home was it wistfulness or humor in the girl's voice there was still a sparkle in her eyes he knew but that had come from battle and no one knows where this queer path leads down into into your home rangy asked "'I mean, no one but dervishers? No one but dervishers. "'Then, girl, you had better be going before the punchers come again.' "'Miss Dick looked at him strangely, so strangely that rangy stumbled over his words. "'They'll be coming again. Mustn't let them brand you with a bullet. "'I'll hold them off for a while. I'm thinking I could keep them busy a whole night.' Rangy Pete broke off, for there was something in the girl's silence which told him that his words were all foolishness. She turned her eyes away swiftly, and she began to busy herself with the weapons which lay at her side. Rangy lay still and watched her for some minutes, and as he watched he listened for sounds from the punchers down below. Miss Dick's activity, he discovered, was spurious, for though her fingers were busy, she was doing nothing from beyond the mouth of the cave there came an occasional sound which betrayed to him the temper of the punchers there was silence broken at times by the angry whip of a bullet as it cut through the mouth of the cave and bit into the rocky roof beyond them there drifted up to him an odor of campfire smoke quite different from this acrid smell of powder and that spoke of camps for the night through the mouth of the cave the crystal of the air was thinning dark shadows were showing on the buttes beyond the twilight of this cave was growing denser night was coming upon them and the punchers were camping in the draw below determined to catch them no doubt believing they were trapped in this hole in the wall of the cave knowing or thinking they knew that it would be only a matter of time until starvation forced them to yield if only there were not that searing burn in his leg he would laugh at them now but there was that crumpled leg, and there was also Miss Dick before him, toying with a six-gun, cleaning it again and again. He, at least, was trapped. But why must this girl suffer with him? Yet he dreaded that strange look which came into her eyes when he spoke to her of escape. Rangy's left hand strayed up to toy with the tip of his left ear. He cleared his throat, and he began resolutely. Now, Miss Dick, I'm gonna throw the rope straight this time and tell you they just ain't no use of the both of us being caught by them wild-men punchers down below. The girl bandit turned her face towards him again, and though the deepening of twilight threw her features into shadow, he could still see the sparkle of her eyes. Sure, Mr. Pete, she returned, mimicking his voice, but you don't go far enough. I don't see any use of either of us being caught. You don't? with a dozen punchers down below and a whole army of most nigh fifty on the way? Miss Dick shook her head firmly. What difference does it make how many there are? Only one man can climb those steps at a time. Rangy was almost startled at the calm deliberation of her voice and manner. There was about her now some of the cool fighting instinct which he knew to be a characteristic of the born gunman. But with Miss Dick it was different. She was cornered. While they had fought for the pure love of it. That's what I'm saying, Rangy returned slowly. I could fight them off all night and tomorrow, and while I'm doing that, you could be looking up a more healthy climate. I'd sure like to go with you, but seein' as one of them punchers had to go and brand me on the leg. The bone isn't broken. You'll be able to crawl along in less than a week, Miss Dick interrupted swiftly, almost with violence in her manner rangy pete leaned forward to study this queer half-shrinking half-arrogant mood which held the girl in its grip but miss dick turned her face away and the growing shadows of twilight told him nothing that sounds good rangy reflected but you sure don't think i could stand them off for a week no but the two of us could rangy laughed uneasily i couldn't possibly let you take a chance like that we'd be starved out or you might get hit yourself this time miss dick leaned over him quickly and even through the shadows he could see the flash of her eyes if i were you if i were lying as you are now would you desert me rangy pete the girl demanded and now he knew there was real anger in her manner anger because of his inference that she should not play the game to the end tell me that and i will know whether to go or to stay sure i'd leave you rangy replied calmly every maverick for himself when they's a stampede on you lie rangy pete i am going to stay we will fight them off until you are well enough to get away through the cave rangy pete nodded with the old thrill coursing its way through his veins he had known long ago that miss dick was one of the prizes of earth he knew now that she would be a comrade whom man could never forget he thrilled in her presence if only he could know the motive which urged her on you sure got the markin's of a thoroughbred he reflected in admiration they ain't no reason why you shouldn't stay awhile and if it gets too hot at any time you can always make your escape can't you see there isn't going to be much fighting miss dick replied more calmly they think we are trapped they are not going to risk men up those steps no they will sit down to starve us out They can't do that in a week. There is a lot of food in my saddlebags, and if it gets too bad I can slip out the back door at night. No, Mr. Rangy-Pete, all we have to do is sit down quietly for a few days until your leg gets so you can crawl with it. Perhaps you're right, Rangy conceded. Perhaps, of course I'm right, the girl declared briskly, as she rose to her feet and disappeared in the darkened recesses of the cave. Rangy Pete felt a feverish restlessness stealing over him. There was the pain of his wound which throbbed its way through his veins. But greater than that, there was the uncertainty of the future which Miss Dick had chosen for herself. He wondered if the girl really knew what the immediate future must mean to her. Did she know that the whole burden of battle would fall upon her? Or did that strange light in her eyes mean that she welcomed battle? There was that fever creeping into his blood. Doubtless in a few hours he would be delirious. Then there would be hours, days perhaps, through which he would be helpless. And through those days and hours, what would Miss Dick be doing? Fighting against thirst, starvation, and an army of reckless punchers. Fighting for him. Could she possibly know the horror of those days which were before her now? could she know the torment of days and nights when the body must keep on toiling, and when the eyes dare not close in sleep. Grangy's eyes stole into the darkness of the cave, and there he saw the dim outline of the girl's figure moving about. Presently she came back with a fragment of rock in her arms, and she placed this on top of the barricade which she had built during his first trip into realms beyond the earth for a time with that fever creeping higher and higher in his blood he watched the girl passing back and forth toiling with the rock which made the barricade more and more effective shortly he discovered that she was doing this to shelter his position from stray bullets but that knowledge only added to the flush of the fever which was burning its way through his body instead of asking him to move she was building a barricade of rock between him and all possible harm she left an opening in the wall she spread a blanket beside that opening and placed a loaded winchester and six-gun upon the blanket then she carefully stored the food somewhere in the darkness beyond after that miss dick came and sat down upon the blanket some six feet from where rangy pete lay it was dark in the cave now it was dark as well in the air beyond either that or his brain was already playing strange tricks upon him "'Good Lord, Miss,' Rangy spoke suddenly from the depths of his heart, "'you can't know what the next few days will mean. "'Better go now. "'You'll have a terrible time if you stay.' "'The girl leaned forward and passed her hand lightly over his forehead. "'Fever already,' she muttered. "'Take a drink, Mr. Rangy, and go to sleep if you can. "'You will feel better in the morning.' "'With a strange desire to be obedient, "'he drank what the girl put to his lips.' a moment later he was caught in a mixed wave of humiliation and gratitude she had given him water from her own canteen and he had taken it before he thought rangy leaned back against the saddle cushioned with a blanket and he tried to study the face of the girl at his side that was impossible because of the film of darkness but there was no reason why his brain, feverish as it was, could not picture Miss Dick's face after she had passed through days of thirst and starvation. And she would do that for him. She must know something of the horror of the immediate future, and yet she was sitting there calmly, staring out into the night. She would be watching the mouth of the cave, watching that spot where a man's head must show up against the blot of night if any man had the courage. Rangy could not see the lip of the cave. He was almost glad of that. But he could see the sky beyond. He knew it must be sky, because it was a dark gray patch thrown out against the surrounding world of darkness. For hours and hours, it seemed to Rangy Pete, he watched that gray patch of sky, and as he watched, it gradually grew lighter with a silvery sheen. That would be his imagination or the fever. No, it was the coming of moonlight. Moonlight? Was it last night, or had it been a myriad years ago, that he rode along a strip of moonlight with a girl at his side? Moonlight? For hours and hours it danced and glittered out there in the radiant air beyond the lip of the cave. Or was it minutes only? The girl barely moved, except to glance from time to time in his direction he could tell that by the fling of her head silence in the world beyond except for a snatch of campfire song which floated up through the moonlit air laughter at times the sound of bickering voices rangy pete knew that scene so well just as well as though he had been seated at the side of the fire flipping the cards or sharing in the banter he knew there was no hope that the camp would melt away and that he and miss dick would be left to their own resources miss dick watching steadily at one point at the lip of the cave where a man's head must appear sooner or later it was inevitable that in any gang of a dozen punchers there must be at least one who would have the folly to climb that flight of stairs notched into the face of the rock there would be at least one man who through the night would dare to peer over the mouth of the cave and the girl sitting there so calmly with weapons at her hands waiting for the inevitable she must know what he rangy pete knew that there was more to be feared from folly than from actual attack for what half score of punchers can sit about a campfire at night with their quarry in sight without being touched in some manner by the spirit of folly miss dick must know that for she was waiting sheltered behind the barricade but in such position that her presence must be stern discipline for folly even through the fever which was burning into his system rangy felt like shuddering would the girl play the cold game of discipline or would she barter with the enemy would she calmly shoot the first head which showed above the lip of the cave or moonlight of course that was moonlight And it was through moonlight he had ridden some centuries ago with this girl at his side. Moonlight in the air beyond, stealing now into the cave itself, glinting and shimmering back from the girl's head whenever she glanced about, glistening just as it had done last night when he rode that silent trail from the crags. Yes, it was last night that he had ridden with Miss Dick. It was last night he had ridden in arrogance, confident of the future certain of his sway over her certain that he was to take her back to triple butte to teach her what was that he had thought to teach miss dick something about mankind and here was she now sitting there so calmly with a six-gun in her hand waiting to shoot the first head which peered above that dangerous lip of the rock queer how topsy-turvy the world had become and this fever in his blood this pain in his right leg the girl's cool hand now upon his forehead a caressing mothering touch there something soothing or was that too but the antics of his imagination but while the hand was there he lost the desire to toss about his brain became clearer and he could see now beyond doubt that it was moonlight which was glinting back from miss dick's hair it was moonlight too which showed him the soft lines about the girl's features lines softer and more pitying than any he had seen there before and was there as well something longing in the girl's eyes as she leaned above him her hand still upon his forehead was there a soft lingering caress in her voice as she whispered a soothing childlike song why should he feel suddenly happy in spite of the fever and the pain Perhaps that as well was but a trick of the fever. Perhaps yet that could hardly be for now that the girl leaned back into her old pose of watchfulness, he could see clearly the lines of her features as the moonlight filtered into the mouth of the cave. There was something stern yet soft and mothering in the girl's countenance, the croon of a little song upon her lips. Strange that she should be sitting there so calmly waiting to shoot a man. Or many men if need be and that there should be the soothing of faint song in the air an unusual kind of girl he must admit which he should have recognized and admitted long ago quite too late now and she was doing this for him moonlight peering inquisitive moonlight sifting its way into the cave until he could see the girl's features quite distinctly moonlight playing with its fantastic fingers over the scene beyond the mouth of the cave it must be doing that for the patch of sky which crossed his vision was clean and the laughter reached him clearly through the rarefied atmosphere he knew just what a wonderful night it must be out there in the butte moonlight wonderful but not quite like the domestic peace of this other scene of which he was a part peace that burning of fever had become almost a restful thing moonlight beyond shattered suddenly by the bark of a six-gun rangy waited for the sound of that annoying clatter of rock which must come when a bullet bit into the roof of the cave the sound did not come poor shooting that idiot down below had not even been able to hit the black spot which was the mouth of the cave more shots A quick barking fusillade of them somehow they seemed to come from a distance. The dying of laughter, the quick oaths of men, another fusillade of shots, the whooping of healthy male voices. Silence down below broken only by an anxious oath. A confusing situation. What could it mean? Foolish of him. Of course, that would be the arrival of the army of punchers who had followed him all through the day and the night still more shots and angered voices miss dick peering cautiously from the edge of the cave come back girl rangy called in a whisper they might shoot you miss dick came back to his side she put her hand once more upon his forehead and looked down upon him surely her eyes were shining with excitement they are fighting out there rangy pete she spoke quietly what can that mean fighting out there he asked in a puzzled way yes the men who have just ridden in the army which was behind us they are fighting these merrill punchers what can it mean rangy's answer was an inarticulate mumble of words it was better to lie here thus with the girl's cool hand upon his forehead than to try to solve the foolish problems of cowpunchers if they chose to fight what did it matter to him he preferred the peace of this silent cave a ragged wrangle of shots down below a quick burst of sound the dominance of a man's voice then silence silence except for the untraceable blur of sound which told of the presence of many men but which in some ways seemed but a part of the silence of the night what matter ten men or a thousand only one man could climb that stairway at a time only one man at a time could fall back to his death miss dick the efficient he wondered now if she would be weary of the killing of men through the days before he dared to travel out through the back of the cave into the land of the dervishers he should not let her do that thing it was wrong but with this fever and this weakness upon him what was there for him to do order miss dick to leave him what good were orders to one who refused to obey the code the teaching of his code of mankind miss dick's hand upon his brow stroking the fever away with gentle fingers voices annoying voices down below insistent voices bellowing constantly the girl leaned closer they are calling you by name rangy pete she whispered do you not hear them sure i hear them idiots tell em to be still there's a man there who calls you his friend the girl's voice continued to whisper he says everything is all right now he calls himself ike Collander. you know ike Collander, rangy sure lil ike of the vaporated apples gosh a mighty rangy rallied as though from fitful slumber He partly pulled himself to one elbow, and he studied the scene about him with curious eyes. He listened for a moment to those voices down below. I must have been a wanderin' in my head, Miss. I thought I heard somebody say something about Ike Collander. You did. From below came the long, drawn-out hail of an anxious voice. "What's the matter, Rangy? Why ain't you been answerin'?" Ike. Rangy exclaimed, "Ike Collander, sure enough." then rangy pete raised his voice in welcome to ike Collander. immediately there came back a babel of sound there was the clamor of mixed voices and when the confusion died away there came again the voice of ike Collander. i'm comin up there rangy so jest you go to holdin your hosses easy don't get no fightin idea into your head the only sound which reached him now was the scraping of the man's shod feet as they groped and found those steps cut out of the face of the rock pull me forward just a little rangy pete whispered to the girl at his side just enough so's i can see ike the minute he sticks his head up the girl obeyed without answering then instantly she sank back into the darkened portion of the cave behind the barricade while those scraping sounds came from beyond the cave rangy reached out and put one hand upon the girl's arm it was more restful thus it brought for the time being a clarity of brain when before his thoughts had been wandering if by any chance his senses had been tricking him the touch of the girl's arm would help him through how restful to be able to lean thus upon another moonlight beyond the faintest shimmer of it penetrating here and lighting up the gleam of the girl's eyes Ike's groping fingers upon the lip of the cave a head showing up against the clear background of sky six feet distant. A man could sit here and kill and kill until the weariness of killing. But no, he must hold close grip upon himself. Hey there, you old tarnation idiot. Why ain't you been answerin' me afore? Collander's voice was just on a level with the mouth of the cave. But that shore is some castle you got there, Rangy. Sure, lil Ike, ain't you got no manners? What you doin' a hangin' on my front doorstep? And who's them noisy friends you got down below? Ike Collander still clung to the mouth of the cave. they's a whole bunch of fellers what you know, Rangy. they's Jumbo Irish and Ringham Foster and. But I'm comin' in to look around. You're a-gonna stay right where you are, Mister Ike, till I knows what you come for. You come to take me back to Triple Butte. You poor idiot they sure must be something wrong with you rangy we come up the pelican draw a chasin dervishers and we heard they's a bunch of snaky y-punchers got you trapped here in a cave so we moseyed right along tain't been no fun for them rangy cause they's about a half dozen of them all nicked up and whining around and now that you know you're with friends can't i come in rangy sure ike you won't find me good for much but the faint flutter of miss dick's arm beneath the pressure of his hand caused the words to break upon rangy's lips miss dick the bandit was now entirely within his power she was where he might teach to her that code of mankind she was conscious of that she must be but beyond that first flutter of her arm the girl gave no sign that she appreciated the full meaning of this swift turn of events it would be so easy now to hand miss dick over to the army from triple butte to the punchers from the triangle o and the double k rangy pete's fingers traveled down the girl's arm until they met her hand ike Collander out there just a few feet away making a great clattering noise as he scrambled over the lip of the cave rangy carried the girl's fingers to his lips Goodbye, girl go quick ike'll be here in a minute go she asked in astonishment yes go miss dick rose to her feet and vanished into the darkness of the inner cave they shore got me all bunged up ike rangy greeted his old associate nicked in the leg you come just in time ike Collander became solicitous he examined rangy as best he could then he pronounced his judgment we shore gotta get some things up here rangy i'm thinking i'd better be saying something to them idiots down below colander returned to the lip of the cave immediately he engaged in animated conversation with the punchers at the foot of the cliff rangy pete gathered that colander was issuing many instructions and was arguing over them all in some way or other those instructions had to do with caring for him here in pelican cave but rangy did not listen closely it was all wearying detail besides he missed the coolness of that hand which had rested upon his forehead the fever he knew was coming back again yes the fever was coming back or why would he have fancied that miss dick was again at his side that she was looking down upon him with widely curious eyes that fever must be very bad indeed or why would he have believed that he heard her voice you sure are a trump card it was just a whisper a mere thread of a voice still he was quite sure that it existed he opened his eyes more widely yes the girl was actually before him then you are not going to take me back to triple butte after all to teach me the code of man the lips were smiling and the girl's eyes were dazzling no little girl rangy whispered back through his weariness they ain't nothing i wouldn't do to have you with me all the time so that's why i gotta let you go poor mixed-up rangy the girl replied we must hurry because Ike will soon be back but there is a present i have for you rangy will you take it what is it blue eyes nothing but that saddle you're lying upon if you look in the saddlebags you will find ten thousand dollars there in gold Miss Dick rose to her feet and made as though to slip once more into the darkness of the cave. But Rangy rose to his elbow, and by the mere strength of his purpose he compelled her to remain. Talkin' about trumps, little girl, you sure is the most wonderful trump that ever got into a pack. Why are you doing this for me, little girl? Why are you letting me get away when you might keep me here? Is that the only reason, girl? No, it sure ain't, the girl mimicked and Rangy fancied that back of her mimicry there was a catch in her voice. I am doing it because I didn't want you to think too badly of me, Rangy, after I am gone. I wanted you to know that I didn't steal it for myself, but just to help a friend of mine. You know who. Merrill hasn't played the game with him, and when I heard about this ten thousand. You can do the rest. Ike is coming. We must hurry, Rangy. I did it because close your eyes rangy and i will tell you the other reason in a strange whim of obedience as though the spell of the girl were about him rangy pete closed his eyes it was wonderful to feel thus her presence about him it was almost a denial to the threat of farewell that he should now sense the thrill of her form hovering above him then he felt the swift warmth of her lips upon his fevered forehead rangy threw out his arms to catch her in his grasp but when his arms closed again there was no human form within them he opened his eyes only to see the girl standing some paces from him rangy could not see her face but he knew that the eyes must be sparkling and the ripple of laughter which reached him through the darkness carried with it a message of gladness with a fevered effort he struggled into a sitting posture But Miss Dick was vanishing into the darkness of the inner cave, and already there was the rattling sound of Ike Collander's return. Come back, little blue eyes, he called out in a clear, thin voice, for there's something I got to say to you, and I'll be waiting. Collander stepped forward to his side in a startled way. What's that you're saying, Rangy? he asked in a worried voice. You think you're a talking to somebody? Was I talkin'? Rangy asked with but little of the old vitality in his tones. You mustn't mind me, Ike, cause I sometimes get queer ideas in my head. And Ike, I'm awful glad you come. With that Rangy Pete sank back upon the improvised bed which Miss Dick had made for him, and he closed his eyes as though in yielding to the blackness of suffering. Then Collander put a hand to his brow. Fever running hot, he pronounced. We sure did get here just in time. He couldn't a fought off them merrill buckos much longer. But Rangy shifted restlessly. Fever nothing, he declared, though with a palpable effort to keep control of his senses. Can't a fellow think but what you've got to call it fever? I suppose I got to keep my eyes open now. Rangy's eyes did remain open, staring fixedly into the darkness at the roof of the cave, and while they stared, the brain back of them was recalling the picture of Miss Dick, the bandit, who had entrusted to his care some ten thousand dollars in stolen gold but she had not stolen it for herself for a time the thrill of that almost drove the fever from his blood at length after long starings into the blackness rangy nodded his head sharply the girl's purpose was clear though the motive back of it might still be shrouded in the darkness of night ike he called suddenly still with that struggling grip upon his senses ringham foster come with you his stipples and dan merrill there they wasn't here when i got in with ringham or we might a had a real scrap but they both come since they was riding together in a posse rangy stared again as though his faculties were laboring you come with ringham he asked how come that you and ringham heard it up together you mean to say it was you sloped out and told foster what was going on Collander's simple and somewhat shamed nod was the only answer good old ike rangy muttered but your work ain't done yet you bring them three persons up here through a period of fevered gripping at his flitting senses rangy lay back and struggled with this problem before him miss dick had stolen and yet she had not stolen she had more nearly played the part of a robin hood through some strange cycle of events which his imagination could not penetrate miss dick and ringham foster must fit somewhere into the patchwork of the past but the problem of that was too much for his tortured brain particularly when it brought with it a throb of pain which almost deadened the memory of that warm kiss upon his brow things at the best were topsy-turvy The one thing of which he could be certain was that it was the girl who had warned Ringham Foster many nights ago to travel to Triple Butte and collect $10,000 from Dan Merrill. The threads leading up to that did not matter. The money, by the application of all moral codes, really belonged to Foster, and Miss Dick had just been playing the role of a Robin Hood. Playing it for the sake of Ringham Foster, the thought of that was torment. Still she had helped to check up the dead-dodging Dan Merrill, and now that was the sound of Merrill's querulous voice as the three men made their way up the face of the cliff. There was a tramping of feet, the mockery of Merrill's sneering laughter, and when rangy opened his eyes the three men stood there in the shadows of the moonlight looking down upon him. In the background was Ike Collander looking wistfully at rangy Pete, and with a huge derringer dangling at his right hip ike was bending upon rangy many reassuring nods he tapped the derringer significantly well stipples you got him at last merrill barked in a vicious voice whose echoes rumbled and moaned their way into the inner caverns got him stipples all nicked up as he should be now you highwaymen don't you see how the tables can turn rangy pete blinked up through the shifting moonlight Kinda drag me out to the edge of the cave where I can see your faces better. He spoke almost tonelessly. That's all right. Now you three gents, set back there in a row. Stipples, you get between them two mavericks. No, you'd better unlimber their guns. Merrill broke in with contemptuous laughter. What horseplay is this, he demanded. I'll line up for nobody. Stipples put that fool under arrest, and we'll drag him out to Triple Butte though it cost him an effort rangy forced a smile to his lips if you're taking a tip from me merrill he spoke softly you'll be kinda hankering in about a minute or two for ringham not to have a gun in his fingers now you gonna give up the hardware to stipples for the first time it seemed merrill sensed something dramatic in the background still he blustered violently as he handed his weapons to stipples i'm here to get you for finishing off sons he threatened ominously but it don't matter whether it's me or stipples who arrests you you finished sons cause smithers saw you is that right rangy ringham foster spoke for the first time his voice was cool and deliberate and in that instant because of the man's calmness rangy lost some of his wonder at the seeming peace between merrill and foster it was not peace it was instead the reserve of judgment sure thing rangy agreed and when you hear about it you'll be giving me a medal you see merrill bellowed his interruption he admits it we'd better string him up now ring rangy raised his hand and ike collander stepped swiftly to his side his eyes glaring with a hardness rarely seen upon his flaccid countenance that's all right ike rangy soothed we ain't here to talk about sons leastways not till we finished that little talk what ringham and dan and me started in tony burke's back room a night or so ago don't go to jerking that way dan ringham ain't got any guns on him you remember dan you didn't know anything about ten thousand dollars that night what somebody wrote ringham to collect merrill's features had abruptly lost the most of their arrogance the man's eyes darted swiftly from side to side and for an instant they looked frantically out into the moonlight "'as though he were considering the wisdom of hurried flight. "'There ain't no getting away from here, Dan,' Rangy went on in weaker tones, "'cause Ike's standing over you with a derringer. "'Now, Stipples, you just go to looking into these saddlebags.' "'Stipples, the astounded, did as instructed. "'When the yellow coins began to slither out into the moonlight, "'Merrill reached forward with animal swiftness. "'But Foster stood before him. "'Where did you find that, Rangy? he asked crisply in a box of vaporated apples what dan had shipped in from the east there's ten thousand there but you mustn't do anything rough ringham cause dan ain't done anything but double cross you same as he's been doing with everybody else you can't expect him to be paying his debts when he's been saving up the yellow boys like this to skip the country rangy paused because of the ominous calm which settled down upon them In that instant, Ringham Foster reached swiftly for his six-gun, but finding only the empty holster, he dropped his hand with a gesture of disgust. Then he stepped quickly forward and looked fairly into Merrill's shrinking eyes. Remember what I told you, Merrill. Foster's voice came harsh and crisp. I told you that if you were trying to double-cross me, there wouldn't be enough punchers at the snaky Y to save your hide. Now, what you got to say for yourself? Merrill's only answer was a grasping of the fingers towards that pile of glittering gold. It's not yours, Foster spoke with firm decision, and you'll never get your hands on it again. Stipples, take charge of it. And now, you, Merrill, what have you to say? For a time, the man blustered, then he attempted subterfuge. Sure, I'll pay it all to you, Foster, he whined. You know, I had to find some way to get it into the country to double-cross me, you mean. Foster's tones had become deadly. Stipples, give us back our guns. One each. My God, no. Merrill's thick tones had become a scream. Not that, Foster. I ain't in shape. You know that. I've been drinking. Foster's contemptuous glance held him through a moment of fear. I've got ten thousand more back at the snaky Y, Merrill's shaky voice went on. That'll straighten up everything, Ringham, and I'll go square. Honest to God, I will dark purpose came into foster's gaze the guns stipples stipples whether dominated by foster's commanding manner or through sudden contempt for merrill began to reach out the guns slowly one towards each man foster reached out for his weapon but merrill with a gurgling in his throat struck out savagely and knocked his own gun from stipples hand god foster i'll square everything he pleaded in a thickened voice not that We know you'll square everything one way or the other foster's tones were relentless it's this way merrill gun to gun or it's out of the butte country for you and out of it forever get that stay here with all the lead i can put into you or out you go merrill swung about swiftly i'll go he whined i'll go tonight let me go back to the snaky y i'll turn everything over to stipples to square things You've been a crook, haven't you, Merrill? Foster demanded unpityingly. You've been trying to double-cross everybody, to pile up a nice little fortune to skip the country with. Isn't that so? Merrill's blood-drained features became suddenly suffused with passion. He struggled for words, but they would not come. True or not true, Foster insisted menacingly. My God, man, Merrill moaned. You can't expect me to say that foster edged a trifle closer you were debt dodging and piling up money to skip he charged true or not true no quibbling foster's gaze was a compelling one it was hard and cold with all the struggle of years and now it was dominating as well abruptly merrill swept a hand before his face as though fearing a blow it's true he gulped but i'll square everything honest to heaven i will ringham you bet you will Foster pronounced grimly, and then what will you do? Merrill cringed abjectly, in sudden haste to oblige. I'll get out of the country. Ringham Foster nodded sharply. It'd be a whole lot better if you'd shoot it out with me, he returned peevishly. It might save some other gent the trouble of perforating you. All right, Stipples, gather up that yellow stuff. If he won't be shot, we gotta put up with it and escort him over the state line march pronto you gents we'll get out of here through the routine of departure ringham foster went to stand for a moment over the improvised couch of rangy pete the latter's eyes he could see were dull and there was the flush of fever upon his cheeks rangy moved restlessly and made as though to speak but foster waved him into silence it's all right rangy whatever it is he said you shore done a good day's work and we ain't gonna forget it rangy's eyes drifted towards the blackness of the cave he tried again to speak then suddenly he sank back into the vague land of darkness End of chapter thirteen.